Welcome to another episode of How We Bounce Back. Hope you're all ready to grub this Thanksgiving weekend. And for all of you plate pit people, keep doing what you're doing. We don't mind any bit of it. Sharing is definitely caring. We have a special guest for tonight's episode. She's currently a student of the University of Richmond in Virginia. She's majoring in English Rhetoric Communications. She is an editorial assistant at Maurice LLC. She formerly grew up in San Antonio, Texas, but graduated at Woodbridge Senior High School. She's a Gen Z pioneer ready to take on the world. She is my cousin, Clarice Licklick. What's up, Clarice? How's fall semester been? Oh, it's been good. Um, school's busy. It's the third year, junior year, so I feel like I'm just constantly working. Yeah. Oh, it's great to be busy. You know, yeah. it seems like you're overachieving. Like, I was lazy in high school, drinking my way out of <laughs> West Virginia, so glad there's someone in the family that we're all going to rely on to make sure there's longevity at some yeah. point in our, our lives. Are you ready for exams, or are these classes driving you crazy right now? Uh, definitely not ready. I spent March till August not doing anything at all <laughs> <laughs> to be thrown into um, a full like class schedule. Like I haven't had this much simulation in a long time. So I'm definitely still like trying to get myself back on schedule, but classes are hard. <laughs> that can I, that I can admit for. Yeah. So, you, so, so with you being a, you're a junior now, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you being the junior now, like you're a junior now, like you're getting into more of like your actual, you know, curriculum with your major mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're what, 300 level classes or 200, mm-hmm. maybe 200, 300 level classes. So do you feel like it's just a lot of assignments that are, you know, supplementing the already existing, like, you know, stimulation from the classes or is it? Also balancing your internship at the same time, like you because uh, you're so busy. Or yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's definitely everything. Um, like last year, I was already taking like three hundred level classes. Um, oh wow! I had internships too during the year, and I work on campus now, and so I'm still continuing that. It's just a matter of like getting back into that habit. I've been working a lot more this semester, which I don't know why. I really don't need to, but I've been working like four out of seven days a week just because but um I feel like I've been pretty prepped for the way like things are going now but the stress of like trying to find work and internships and just knowing that it's gonna end like college is gonna end soon so I have to have Mm -hmm. some kind of plan yeah well you know I think one thing you're doing being busy is you're well equipping yourself getting into the real world right after mm-hmm. college because when you get into the real world you're not actually doing classes you're going to work from a set schedule so mm-hmm. when you're busy at work when you're busy you know dealing with stories if you're going to the editorial side or if you have mm-hmm. dealing with clients or stakeholders you know it's busy it's it's can get stressful a little bit right but you're not as like you know overwhelmed if you're going to do classes and work and whatnot unless you decide to get a second job right so right now you're you're strengthening your mind for anything Mm -hmm. that's to come after school so that's great that you're you know stepping up and being hands-on with everything right now Mm -hmm. cool um so you know with thanksgiving being this weekend i think it's safe to assume you'll be going home for the break and enjoy with our family 
Does the Thanksgiving and Christmas time of the year excite you or do you prefer the summer more? Uh, no, I definitely think like November, December, even October, like that set of um, months and that time of the year is the best time of the year. Like I yeah. personally love, I love the holidays and I hate the fact that the best ones are just one after the other at the end of the year. Uh-huh. And so, are you, are, yeah. Are you saying it goes too fast? Like you rather have a little like bit stretch like a summer where it's like, you know, Christmas yeah. probably every week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I personally love the holidays, even like Valentine's day is like at the beginning of um, the year. And so it's just a matter of like the fact that all like the best time of the year is just kind of, all in like one consecutive time period so it makes it it's a lot to look forward to especially how bad this year was you seems like you're a winter person so you know and things are festive you know that's there's more themes with these winter holidays right with thanksgiving christmas you know thanksgiving got a turkey christmas got a christmas tree valentine's day got a got a heart but summer like you know it, it i get you you know it definitely feels like there's more uh you know differentiation so glad mm-hmm. glad to hear that i feel like a lot of people are on board with you I, you know i'm personally a summer person but you know it's winter is definitely also a time for family so um we also have black friday and cyber monday this weekend what are some of the big shopping deals that you like uh to go about or some of the favorite things that motivate you to purchase um, well, I have a really big thing with sustainability. And so I try to avoid buying like new things. <laughs> so I buy a lot of, um, I buy a lot of secondhand. So I haven't done like Black Friday shopping or like anything like that um, recently, just because I think if we're talking specifically about like clothes shopping per se, um, like fast fashion and just that whole industry, I realize that it's hard to like avoid especially being a college student especially when you don't have a lot of money to splurge because a lot of brands that make higher quality products that last you a lot longer um it's hard to to afford so i've been buying a lot of things secondhand and just like sustainability in general so i'm not sure about black friday this year but yeah i mean there's no need to follow the trend right Mm -hmm. you know it's it's definitely like you know me working on the market side it's it's like a marketing ploy honestly yeah. on people to think that there's a good sale but it's like bu- to buy things that you might not need you mm-hmm. know the mm-hmm. key word you said there was sustainability right buy what mm-hmm. you need to stay and like it, so there's no depreciation on whatever you're buying mm-hmm. you know and make sure it's cheap it lasts you a long time you know and, and if it's secondhand then so be it right yeah. so yeah don't fall into this black friday cyber monday ploy i mean i've I work for a retail client right now, so maybe I'm going to try to like sell you, but no, I, I'm going to tell you the truth. Like, you know, sustainability, like you said, is key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely just a matter of like, I've been like for the last like year or so, I've just been trying to implement this practice of investing in the things I buy rather than just consistently purchasing things. And also capitalism is a whole other, (laughs) Oh yeah. It's a whole other problem. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about something different. You know, being a college student, there's a lot of downtime at your off-campus house, your dorm, your freshman year, uh, you know, even at home during quarantine. I think it's safe to assume that you, like most other people, are binging many shows on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, wherever. What's mm-hmm. your top three favorite streaming shows during quarantine? Oh, um, 
top three. The top three that I definitely have seen recently, there was, um, they're all on Netflix. So Kingdom is one. It's mm. a Korean television show and it takes place um, during like the samurai ages and it's a zombie apocalypse show. Uh, so that one is really good. Uh, there's a show called Hollywood. It's only had one season so far, but it deals ah. with um, the Hollywood era, but in post-World War II. Uh-huh. And... Is that the one where they? Oh, sorry to sorry to cut in here. Is that the one where they pull into the gas station? Yes. I know what you're talking about. But that show, it's a great show though because it deals with um one of the big things that they dealt with was just people of color in the Hollywood industry, especially during that time period. So it was a great one to watch, and it didn't come out this year. I think came out last year. By remember rewatching um the Haunting of Hill House. That one is also a very, very well-written, like, horror show. Mm. Wow. That's very – it's funny. Me and Rosemary have seen that Hollywood show. So we're totally uh, <laughs> in alignment in what, what you were watching as well. But definitely going to check out Kingdom. You know, I feel like I need to – you know, I don't know if you also saw Shit's Creek. You know, I heard that was a good show too. Like, you know, <laughs> everyone would default to Tiger King. So glad you did not say that. You know, so tired of people no, oversaturating that shit. I could yeah. yeah, so I'm tired of people oversaturating that show, you know, so. I mean, yeah. did you watch it? We did. <laughs> we did a little okay. bit. Yeah, but like, you know, I, it's, it's like, there. it could be spun in a certain point of view, right? You know, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I believe Carol Baskins definitely killed her husband, but like, you know, everything else, like <laughs> that man, uh, I don't know, forgot his name, but like he, he, he's a weirdo, right? He's definitely, it was definitely funny. It was weird. It was definitely biased, you know. So, so you get with yeah. some of the shows. Okay, Clarice. Before we go into the deeper questions, let's play a game related to Thanksgiving. I'm going to put ten pictures of food up on the screen. The big catch with this game, <laughs> don't worry. It's 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 a very easy game to play. The big catch is that these pictures are none other than Filipino food. We both know our family loves sneaking in some of the traditional Filipino food on Thanksgiving dinner. I want you to look at each picture and decide yes or no if that should be on the Thanksgiving dinner table. Tita Jinky, Mom, hope you both are paying attention right now. So for all of you that are on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we're going to be saying these food items out loud. Right here, we have lechon. Yes or yes. no? Yes. <laughs> yes. Just what? Okay, it's go personally ahead. not my favorite, um, but it's a people pleaser, so I'm going to say yes. All right. Yeah, it's always the main event on a Filipino party, big celebration. So yeah. you definitely, you definitely know the family. We have Seasig with a fried egg in the middle. Yes. Why is that? Absolutely. <laughs> I never used to like Seasig when I was younger, but then the palates change, the tastes develop, and Seasig is just good. Oh, yeah, it is so yep. good. It's definitely a good mix. And you know, your your brother loves this. This is one of his favorites. So good choice to say yes. Yeah. We have chicken adobo. 100% yes. Okay. It's one yep, of the best yep. things that has ever come from the Philippines. Wow! 
<laughs> so Rosemary's um, best friend Brian also cooked chicken adobo. He even taught us the recipe and called me yeah. uh, not non authentic Filipino, but yes, absolutely, chicken adobo is absolutely amazing. Lupia. Yep. Hey, 100%. first thing. I mean, <laughs> it's the only thing that like non Filipinos know. And I have never met like a non-Filipino person who goes to like our parties or um, just like any occasion in general that doesn't like, but it's worth it. Yeah, it's the first thing to go at every Filipino party. Yeah. Like when it's the first <laughs> round, the tray is already empty. So hear you on that. Pancit Palabok. Oh, for me, it's a no. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's not for me. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, Velasquez family, but go ahead, Clarice. Why is that? Uh, I mean, I think it's just a personal preference. My mom knows I doesn't, I don't like it anymore. Even though she offers it to me like at every party, she asks me if I want some, and I tell her no. So I'm gonna say no. It looks like it's I think trying, there's better things. It looks like it's trying to be uh, spaghetti, but I guess it got too too orange. So I hear you on that. Bukoy, fried shrimp with some uh, fried flour. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely don't know. <laughs> so since you said you don't know, I take this as a no. I guess not. It's not welcome on the Thanksgiving table. Like this looks like a summer food. No. Yeah, here you on that. <laughs> okay. Remember, Thanksgiving is a theme. Ube ice cream. Yes. On the Thanksgiving but table? Not by itself. The, oh, not for by dessert. itself. Okay. For dessert. And not yeah. by itself. Got it, got for it. Hollow, so hollow, the, yeah. All right, so then we'll go to the next picture. We have hollow, hollow right here on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. This is, a, this is a staple Filipino dessert. And it's okay to be on the Thanksgiving table because it's still good regardless. Mm hmm. We have Sinigang. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Just like, On Thanksgiving. Just like, yeah. Just like the dovo, it's also one of the best things to come from the Philippines. And you know, like a good stew. I feel like even though it's Thanksgiving, I mean, we're Filipino, so we're like, we're going to have rice anyway. Yeah. I'm going to pair it with. And it's also colder for a lot of the cities that do get cold, you know, mm -hmm. so people might catch... <laughs> God forbid, the flu or COVID or any kind of like nasal congestion or allergies. And, you know, Sinigang helps like because of how sour it is, clear the throat, sinuses and whatnot. Yeah. Balut. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> not in any Thanksgiving dinner table. Never. If that was the only thing no, on the table, would you eat it? <laughs> it should stay in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll leave it at that we'll keep it on fear factor but yes no business here i hear you <laughs> and the last thing a kamayan feast yes we haven't done one of those but yeah i mean it's uh, thanksgiving but it's not like thanksgiving theme however it is a lot of fun you can never turn it down right it's it's yeah. just everything all together like why would you turn out this amount of food so hear you on that yeah. 
So like, you got this rib right here. You got this chicken right here. You know, you got corn mm -hmm. on the cob, lumpia, noodles and rice. So yeah, absolutely can't start to turn down. All right, let's get serious and discuss some of the deeper questions. The first question I want to ask you, Clarice, describe a time where you failed miserably. What did that teach you? I don't know if it was, I guess, a specific time. Maybe it was um, just over the course of a, a certain period. But, you know, you know our family and most of our family is like within the STEM field or within um, medicine. And like, well, you like went on a business route. That's still pretty much within what our family would consider like acceptable um, career fields. But I knew from a long, long time ago that I wasn't going to enter um, the STEM field at all. And so I think I spent a lot of my childhood and especially high school feeling like that was just a failure in itself. Cause I felt like coming from an immigrant family, um, it wasn't what my parents like set out for me to do, you know? And so it wasn't, um, it wasn't just like a specific moment, but it was sort of the accumulation of me realizing that what I wanted to do isn't what, or what I wanted to do isn't what they expected. And so it feels like a lot of my career or a lot of what I've been trying to do in college and late high school as I apply to college, sort of try to prove that that's what I'm meant to be doing and that it's not a total loss if I'm not pursuing a PhD or if I'm not pursuing yeah. um, a doctorate, you know? I, I hear you on that. And, you know, with, with family that grew up in that era, immigrant family, there's always these traditional careers where it's always financial security and uh, longevity, mm -hmm. you know, sustainability, as you mentioned before. But that's the problem with how society you know, constructs us because, you know, we're in a capitalism country, you know, and like being immigrant families, it's like, okay, you got to make sure you were taking care of your finances, your wealth mm -hmm. and so forth. But that, that's so detrimental for anyone that wants to pursue true passion. Right. You know, mm -hmm. um, I could say for, for when I went to the business career, like, you know, there mm -hmm. are certain parts of the business career where, you know, it was just very, you know, process oriented it wasn't very like creative you know it, it didn't really mm -hmm. like you know drive me to where i wanted to be passion wise you know and so i totally hear you that you know especially being younger than our family there's a lot of you know we have Korea brian you have myself you have you know a lot of jeff john you know everyone's going through these fields and like they're all going through traditional routes it feels like mm -hmm. wow like am i you know, I love this passion, but you're, there's this lane that you want me to go to where I don't feel ready or comfortable and so forth. You know, it mm -hmm. definitely feels like, you know, unfulfilling. And I, I, I hear you on that. And I'm glad that you didn't, you know, like, you know, totally nosedive into going that field. Not every single Filipino, you know, female has to be a nurse, you know, not every single... Yeah. Filipino male has to be in the military or, you know, doing that sort of, or an engineer, mm -hmm. right? You know, we, <clears throat> we mm -hmm. have, you know, a choice and it's based on, you know, a feeling of, you know, 
uh, self-fulfillment that everyone in life is trying to find, mm -hmm. right? Everyone, like no matter, even if you're 60 years old, you don't want to go through that traditional route, be financially secure, but you've never had self-fulfillment. Like that doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. So glad that you're still sticking with it. You're still with it at University of Richmond, you know, going for your mm -hmm. passion, you know, leveraging what can be sustainable, but also still staying with your passion. So you're balancing both in, mm -hmm. in that sort of way, but more on your passion. So really proud that it's, you know, heading in the right direction. Yeah. And there's, and with like that, like career field in general, I have a lot of friends who are also like Asian and a lot of them, um, I'm thinking of one of my friends in particular, she I describe her as like someone who was born to be a doctor. It's something that um, it's just like the way she is personally or yeah. her personality um, and how much like she cares about the idea of being able to medically provide for people in that sense. And that's like a really admirable thing. It's just that when I think about growing up and our family specifically, it was really isolating wanting to do something that, I had no immediate resource or help for because even now as I'm trying to figure out um wise I feel like I'm just walking this fine line of being able to understand what it is I want to do and actually actively pursue it but it's hard to do so without some kind of um support system to really fall behind and then like that's not saying like our family like isn't supportive it's just that it's hard to really relate to a lot of our family when I don't want to do what it is that um that they know about and I know that they want to help me as I go through college but that's also hard on their part because they don't understand fully what it is I have to do like uh questions from like our aunts and uncles about oh like how's college and you know, like, what are you trying to do after college? And me trying to explain what it is without even really understanding it myself because I haven't been exposed to an industry like that. Yeah. And then having to explain it to people who don't have any background knowledge on it. It was very isolating. So I'm slowly trying to figure out how to not feel like I'm failing as a person because I have an obligation to our family to pursue, um, a useful life but mm -hmm. and you know to be honest they have an obligation to you as being a family mm -hmm. of a previous generation you know we're not we're never going to change their mindset which is totally you know that's their own right to that's how they are raised you know I, I we can come to peace like that's how they're raised that's how they'll be you know like it's fine right you know we'll, we'll mm -hmm. always be proud of how they taught us and brought us up but it's also their responsibility to understand things are changing, you know, to understand the times are changing, society is changing, mm -hmm. right? You know, some of these non-traditional lines of work, you know, these fields, these passions that we want to pursue, you know, mm -hmm. even though that did not make, quote unquote, the financial security or money back in the day, you know, like it's a totally mm -hmm. different era, right? You know, you know, yeah. with people playing video games are making, you know, the like celebrity money it's crazy so yeah. you know uh, i hear you on that you know definitely uh it will come in time clarice for you to understand mm -hmm. you know how you want to balance both right you know making them proud with you know something that's sustainable for for them for 
a future with a future family, but also stick with your passion. But I want you mm -hmm. to know at the age you're at, do not lose that passion early. Don't feel like you have to accept the job that has a higher salary early because you will mm -hmm. be in, later on, five years later, trying to rechase that passion, which is actually what I'm going through now, right? So yeah. stick with that passion, stay with it now. You know, if you, if you do have to get a job, that's fine. You know, it's normal to get a salary job to keep the lights on, to keep paying the rent, you know, mm -hmm. then so be it, but don't lose the passion, you know, do that on the side, you know, you're busy now. So that's, as I said, it's going to well equip you when mm -hmm. you're going to be busy after college. So, yeah. Um, the next question I want to ask is, have you ever been bullied? And if so, how did you manage this or what could have been different? I think the only time I've ever actually actively been bullied, <laughs> it has nothing to do with like career or anything, but I guess it's important to talk about. Um, I don't particularly remember because it was elementary school, but I, as I think you said in the intro, uh, I grew up in Texas and I think outside of our Filipino like friends that are like family friends I don't remember ever having any other Asian friend <laughs> and I remember being in elementary school and being bullied for maybe about a couple weeks by these two white girls <laughs> and I just I I want to say they called me some slurs but I don't remember what they were I have a very strong feeling that they are um that's the only time I've ever been actively bullied, but I think when it comes to just understanding yourself as like a minority and just where you come from, the environments that you're in, I mean, you can end up bullying yourself. Because I go to um, a predominantly white school, and not only is it predominantly white, it's also a private school. So a lot of demographics here are people that I know that I could just never truly relate to. And I think when you grow up as a person of color, and especially as a person of color in middle or even lower middle class, um, you learn to sort of just see yourself immediately different from the people around you. And I, I spent a long time, like every classroom I go into every new semester, the first thing I know this is whether or not I'm the only Asian person I might like in my class, or if I'm the only like person of color in my class. And I think while I've never really been bullied by other people, I think I spent a lot of my childhood of just internally bullying myself. Yeah. Because it's hard to sort of grow up feeling like you're different from other people. It's hard for, and if you to walk into a room or just even existing and having to constantly think about what makes you different or less than or inferior than the people around you so it never really came from other people but i think just environmental aspects affected the way that my brain sort of got wired as i grew up well first of all those two girls that bullied you at a young age do not like, like clearly you don't sweat them now like yeah. you know there will be a day that you're going to be so successful that they might be you know, reporting to you someday. So, you know, don't, don't even, I'm glad that didn't even like have a detrimental long-term effect on you. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the societal aspect of you thinking you're bullying yourself, going into these environments, you know, being an Asian American female, 
you know, going to an elementary school classroom, going to a middle school classroom, high school, wherever it is, you know, and you start to see those kind of things and see as, you know, the, the person you are, you know, there's, um, there's disadvantages where, you know, you see the privilege and you're like, okay, well, there's the privilege and I, they're starting here in this race and the, yeah. the starting line is here and I'm actually behind the starting line. Really. Yeah. So I, I'm going to have to fight harder to get to where they're at, to excel, to get the teacher's acceptance, to get the teacher's, yeah. you know, proper grade, you know, to get recognized by the counselor or the recruiters at colleges. So, you know, you have that, you know, sort of that recognition now that, you know, yeah, it's going to be even a tougher, longer fight. You're going to have to do much more. But the mm -hmm. fact that you have that recognition, you're blocking, like you, you, you've seen that growing up, you're blocking any mental anguish that it could like, you know, bury on you, like seeing where you are today, like you're way more confident than you were back in, in, in elementary school, as anyone would be, you know, yeah. we continue to find ourselves. So that's great that you're aware, you're, you recognize that now you're, you know, we all have our own personal demons, you know, so but sometimes they turn into personal angels and they'll, they'll bring us, they'll bring us uh, even further and right. you know, shape, shape us, shape us more than we could ever imagine. Yeah. How have insecurities shown up in your life and how have you navigated through emotions to find your, as I've been saying, the newfound confidence you have today? I think it's just accumulation of everything that I've talked about before from understanding like my label as you know a female and as a person of color and then as someone who doesn't come from a privileged family to an extent um that I don't as well as what goes on internally in our family as we grow up it's a combination of just everything and I think um I don't know I can't speak for you know everybody else but I think during quarantine I felt as if like I just had all this time to myself and I maybe thought or I had a lot of um, time to just think about, you know, me as a person and just how it is I want to exist. And I realized that I spent so much of my childhood and then teenage years and the first two years of um, college sort of living on autopilot I kind mm -hmm. of um you know I would go through life and it life wasn't always um terrible and I think a lot of people like don't really understand that it's okay to have negative feelings or any like negative thoughts without while being in a life that feels it was more in the sense of like I felt as if or I spent all of quarantine realizing that I spent so much of growing up feeling unhappy, but I sort of press it down and continue to live on because I realized, or I thought that because of the life and the family and just the situation I was in, there was no reason for me to sort of feel that way. And I yep. think that happens a lot in um, Asian families too, because I don't know how it is that you were growing up, but like the idea of like mental health and things like that, we don't ever talk about that like at all. And so realizing, I think over quarantine that my brain is kind of just wired a little bit differently and that I have 
I don't want to diagnose myself with anxiety, but I do have a lot of um, anxious habits, if that makes sense. A lot of what I go through like day to day is a lot of just internal self-hatred that I never really acknowledged or even recognized because I thought it was inappropriate for me to do so. You know, our family is healthy and I have a house and I have friends and we aren't suffering, but um, I spent a lot of like teenage years just feeling not even like a person, but I didn't like acknowledge that um, until literally like a few months ago when I finally realized that I'm, I want to be able to look at all of the things that I, that my brain likes to bully me for and realize that I, that they exist. And that's the only way that I could feel any better day to day. So, um, I don't know. Quarantine was a very big, like metamorphosis, even though I was just stuck in my bedroom, but it was a lot of time to just think. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of time to spend with just myself. And I haven't had that for a while. It, it definitely this year this quarantine has reset us right it's mm -hmm. definitely it definitely looked at you know okay these are the flaws that you know i sort of been internalizing and had these negative thoughts but maybe i should have never had that because look at all of these other things i should be grateful for you know mm -hmm. we have a roof over our heads like this we have our health we have our family like these people are like seeing the media it drives a lot of what we think too, right? So now we're seeing the media, mm -hmm. seeing all these, you know, God bless all these people. There's a lot of people hurt and suffering this year. You mm -hmm. know, you, you got to look and see, you know, pray for them, you know, and also realize, you know, well, I have my, you know, like situation, you know, intact. So why would I let my negative thoughts eat me mm -hmm. up when there's so many people that wish that be in the position that, I am in today, you know, and that's probably what you were thinking in your mind, right? You know, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, we're, we take being at home for granted, right? You know, like, we're now not doing classes, we're not going to work, you know, we're can't even go to some of the stores or most of the stores in March and mm -hmm. April, you know, so just being at home, being comfortable, we're so blessed to have what we have. And so why were we fretting about our own situation, right? It's not like we were asked to go, go, go to war, you know, or anything like that. Like, you know, like they're talking about nurses being on the front lines. We're over here sitting on the couch, you know? So that's great yeah. that, great that you had internalized and sort of like, you know, looked at your personal demons, looked at, you know, all of that stuff that were giving you negative thoughts and like, Hey, you know, you're, you're, you're nothing, you know, like I'm actually grateful for what I have. Like, like, this situation, mm -hmm. this year reset us, you know? So, so, you know, that I'm glad that that had come to your life. I feel like, they, you know, 2020 sucks, but if there's a sil silver lining in this year is definitely woke us back up. It has definitely brought us to a better place. You know, you're we're going to look back at this year. We'll never rank 2020 as one of the best years ever, but we'll rank 2020 as one of the most meaningful years. Yeah, for sure. Our lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even with like the beginning of quarantine, it felt, I, I, th I guess a lot of people might have felt this way, but it felt inappropriate to mourn anything 
if you hadn't been directly affected by what was physically going on. Yeah. And so just taking time to look into myself, it felt like it, there was so many more important things that I could be worrying about, or I feel like it was just like, again, the idea of um, growing up and not being growing up in like a family that was maybe a little bit more well off, or I didn't have like certain experiences that maybe people with like, um, who suffered from any like kind of mental health issues um, experienced. And so it almost felt like being an imposter, acknowledging that you were, that you have any kind of negative thoughts or feelings at all. And then with Corona happening, I think just for like common people in general, um, it felt inappropriate to just mourn any kind of life or lifestyle or like person that you were before being isolated uh, with yourself. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Clarice, if there's one big piece of advice you can tell the audience, what will it be? I think just going with your, going with your gut, you know, I think the only person that knows what's best for you more than anybody in the world is, you know, you, you're the one who has to live with you every single day. And so if you're not really, if you're not happy with the person that you are or the habits that you have or the feelings that you have, then there's no shame at all in trusting your own intuition and, yeah. the own, and the voice in your head that's trying to help you out. So, Amen. yeah. Absolutely. Clarice, I just want to ask you one more question before we sign off. What's your dream vacation with Cody? Um, he and I have talked about um, like traveling after college. None of us, or um, I think like because he hasn't really gone anywhere. Um, he really just like wants to go out and see everything. And I remember telling him about Singapore because the first, our first, First date was watching Crazy Rich Asians at this old theater in Richmond. Um, and so I think out of like any place in general, so we want to make sure that we go is Singapore because I've also never been and I hear it's amazing. Clarice, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable at the age you're at. I was never this way when you were in college, when I was in college. <laughs> so you are well ahead of your here years. You have a bright future ahead. Happy Thanksgiving. Tell the family. And Cody, I said hello. Me and Rosemary, we'll see you in a couple yeah. weeks. Good luck with the rest of the semester and knock out those exams. Thank you for having me. Tune in next week for another episode featuring our great friend, Olivia Vanway. She will be discussing her journey from West Virginia to living in the nation's capital for the last five years. It's almost December, everyone. If you're going out on Black Friday, stay safe. There's also good Cyber Monday deals on worldmarket.com. That's a client I work on, so you know you got to help me out here. But especially if you want to avoid standing in line. Have a happy Thanksgiving weekend. Relish the time with your families. At the end of the day, our families are what's most important to us. It's what we're most thankful for. If you're older like me now, just make sure you cook one of the dishes on the Thanksgiving table. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in as always. She's Clarice. I'm James. Have fun this weekend. See you all next week.